Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 46 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I am your host, Jameson Dance. I'm your host, Dave Smith. And uh, we have a listener comment that we want to start off reading. This is in reaction to some of our interview discussion. It's from a listener named Eric. And he says, you missed one justification of CS interview problems. If you're interviewing devs who are fresh out of college, it is reasonable to expect that they know what they have been carefully taught only a few years earlier. My background is in mathematics, not CS. And in the unusual situation, when I'm interviewing someone with a math background, I ask them math questions. I also ask programming questions, regardless of background, of course. But the thing that should not be overlooked is that if you have a young CS major who does not know the basics of CS, you have someone with a learning or retention problem. Such a person will not be able to help you understand what is broken about the system that they helped build a year ago. That's an mm. interesting perspective. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's easier to write math stuff on a whiteboard than, say, Java code. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's where I did a lot of math. <laughs> But you actually have to bring out a chalkboard in that case. I think that's more traditional, right? <laughs> yeah, I think the answers come out better on chalk <laughs> than on marker. Thanks, Eric, for that comment. Yeah, thank you. Good comment. Um, so uh, one other comment I wanted to make, which is that uh, one of the advantages of being a soft skills engineering listener is that when stuff goes really crappy at work, you can always take comfort in the fact that you can write a comment to us and share it with us and then we will share it with everyone. And <laughs> you, you can take a crappy situation and turn it into a moment of glory. Yep. <laughs> Eternal fame. I have a friend, um, we used to do a lot of camping together and just like wander around in the woods and whenever bad stuff would happen, like we'd get super lost or like fall in a river or get chased by wild turkeys or anything. <laughs> he turkeys. would just say, this is an adventure. And all the bad stuff makes the adventure better. Was your friend named Tom Sawyer? No, was he this wasn't. A book you read? No, but I grew up in Minnesota, and there are, there are wild turkeys, and some of them oh. can get a little defensive. Okay, all right. Um, they might get defensive if you're like a twelve year old kid trying to kick the tree down that they're hanging out in. So they maybe they might have a reason to get defensive, but whatever. Another awesome benefit of being a soft skills listener is you get to hear about this cool job offer from our sponsor, Algolia. So Algolia is a company that makes a hosted search service. They power Hacker News. They power Twitch TV. They power a lot of open source documentation, too. Um, I think Yarn uses them and uh, a bunch of other docs sites use them, basically. Mm -hmm. And Algolia is looking for engineers to come join their team. But they're not just looking for any engineer. They want people who care about the kind of stuff that we talk about on the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. So they sponsored us to get the word out about this job. They're looking to hire a solutions engineer in either San Francisco or Paris. Paris, Texas? Uh, Paris, Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> no, Paris, France, Dave. Oh, sorry. So what exactly is a solutions engineer, Jameson? It's not sales. It's basically uh, helping get the word out about the product and helping customers use the product well. So you might build APIs. You might go help clients that are having scaling issues. You might actually do even more glamorous things. Such as uh, speaking at conferences. If you're into that sort of thing, they will, of course pay for you to travel around the world and share their message at different conferences. But if you're not, I think you don't have to travel if you don't want to. Yeah, it's, it's, it sounds like a super cool opportunity. 
Yeah, I agree. And the culture sounds really cool. We talked to one of their engineers for a good long time and he told lots of good stories. And I, if I didn't already have this podcast gig, I would be all over that. (laughs) One other thing that they mentioned was the amount of freedom that the job brings. So you kind of get a lot of open-ended problems thrown at you. It doesn't sound like it's like super regimented where you're plucking tasks off a off a ticketing system it's like Mm -hmm. this customer has this issue go fix it and make us awesome for them yeah um so they want people that like that kind of open-ended problem solving and like working in that environment where there's not a ton of oversight so if you want to go check it out visit algolia.com slash soft skills engineering that's a-l-g-o-l-i-a.com slash soft skills engineering The process is straightforward. There's a phone screen and then an at-home assignment that you'll publish on GitHub. And after that, they'll fly you to their office for an in-person interview. Yep. Thank you, Agolia, for sponsoring. Yeah, thanks. All right. Uh, Do you want to read our first question, Dave? Yes, sir. Um, This comes from a listener who I can't remember if it was supposed to be anonymous. Let's (laughs) Let's say that they're a wombat. Not actually a human. Yes. Yeah. Um, listener Wombat says, (laughs) (laughs) says, I've just started listening to your podcast and enjoy it. It seems like you guys have a lot of fun doing it. That is absolutely true. How could Uh, it not be fun when we get to talk to Wombats? I know. (laughs) Uh, he says, what advice do you have for a developer who starts a new job and immediately finds out that they don't like it? I started a new job recently, and I'm excelling at the technical requirements of the job, but culturally, I do not fit in. I feel like I was misled by the company. I was told I would be working on a team. It turns out I am the only front-end developer at the company. I'm given a lot of autonomy, but I don't have opportunities to learn from other engineers or help junior developers. I also have significantly less freedom than I had at my previous job because the culture is more authoritarian than I'm comfortable with. I started the process of trying to find a new job, but I have been challenged in that I don't want to inform my new company of my unhappiness publicly, so I can't use social media like Twitter and LinkedIn. How do I do this? So many things here. First, it sounds like they're not a wombat-friendly environment. (laughs) I don't know what wombats eat. What do they eat? people probably maybe that's why you're having a hard time is uh no i thought it was interesting that he mentions the cultural mismatches because i feel like that's something that companies pay a lot of lip service to is like culture fit and it can often be like a reason to turn people down that it's like a reason to say to people that they don't fit yeah it's like the uh the catch-all yeah, like we yeah. just didn't like you. So mm-hmm. culture fit. We only um, hire people that we like for the culture. Yeah, we Think only of hire the people culture. that are a good fit for the culture. And the culture is people that I want to hang out with all the time. <laughs> it's actually, that's actually kind of sad, but true, right? Yeah, I mean, it is. It's interesting that you have found that they are not a culture fit for you. Yeah, that is interesting, especially given one of these points here where he says, I was told... I would be working on a team, but it turns out I'm the only front-end developer. Oh, man. Like, I don't want to be critical here, but I'm wondering, like, what happened in the interview process? Did you, like, did they just say, oh, yeah, the front-end team, they're just not here today, (laughs) (laughs) the day that you're interviewing, uh, but don't worry, they're great. (laughs) Like, how did that go down? 
Or it could be that there were people that were kind of roped into it and just didn't like it. They were、mm-hmm. they were kind of filling in, doing front end work, and I'm assuming you were hired as kind of a front end expert. So now they're happy to leave that work to you. So the team disappeared the day you showed up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's just little <laughs> dust clouds, like when cartoons <laughs> run away. <laughs> It's also good that you have the autonomy to choose technologies when you're the only developer <laughs> working on a team. That could be worse. <laughs> yeah, but I know how you feel because when you're the only person working on your area of the product, it can be really isolating.、Oh, it's so lonely. Who yeah, especially your code, right. Yeah, especially if you're a little more social, and it sounds like you might be if you enjoy mentoring and learning from other engineers and that、mm-hmm. that kind of back and forth interaction.、Mm-hmm. So yeah. You you have valid reasons to feel the way you do. That's, Absolutely, that's what we mean. Yes, and even if you didn't have valid reasons to feel the way you do, your feelings are still valid. That's true. Jameson, well, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm showing my anti wombat. You're so judgmental of wombats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How how long do you, do you think a few months is enough time, Jameson, to like really know for sure this is not the gig for me? I think it is.、Um, It's your life, right? And if you're unhappy and you're just waiting to like magically be happy one day at the job, when you don't see if, I mean, can you hire people onto your team? That might、yeah. be one way to fix it if that's a thing causing you unhappiness.、Mm-hmm. Uh, can you lead a rebellion against the authoritarian <laughs> regime in your company? That might also fix it. You、um, just like throw. <laughs> Cans of soda with little holes poked in them into the stand-up <laughs> meetings that they make you go to every day, and it gets in people's eyes, and it's kind of like pepper spray. <laughs> I mean, but if you can't change that stuff, then I w- I would say you have no responsibility to just sit there in a miserable job so that it doesn't look bad on your resume. That's true.、Um, three months, I think, is a little fast. Um, from my experience, it takes about six months in the a couple places that I've been to really know for sure. And I've had it go both ways.、Uh, two different jobs. One job I left after six months. One job I got into it under、uh, kind of false pretenses, the way that you describe. Although not quite so bad as like. Having a team that doesn't actually exist. <laughs> sure, there's a team, <laughs> but but I I let it go for a while, and I ended up staying there for five years, and just absolutely loved it. I mean, it was so great. Lots of opportunities opened up over the course of those five years that were just wonderful for me. But it took several months to really, you know, give it a good chance and a good shake. Hmm. And、uh, and it did change a lot. The nature of my job changed over the years, over the course of those five years. Which is something else that was good, but I don't know. Three months feels like it's just right on the cusp. I don't think I've ever started a job and not been so incredibly happy to be working there. I've never started a job and been like, "Whoa, I've been duped, and I kind of don't like it." No,、oh, really. I don't know if I should stay here. Yeah, I've been just on like the honeymoon period where everything's awesome and there's so many cool problems to solve and everything is wonderful. My point is that if I started a job and I hated it. Yeah, it's like, I would leave <laughs> pretty、yeah. soon. So you're saying because, if even during the honeymoon period you can't, yeah, happy, that's that's when everything is new and exciting, and the possibilities are endless, and you haven't heard 
the long, boring stories from the one coworker that comes and interrupts <laughs> you all day to tell their long, boring stories. Like this is the, this is in some ways the best version of the job. And if yeah. you hate it, then yeah. it, I don't know, I wouldn't stay. And I learned a great lesson from a comment in one of the last episodes when someone asks you, I only stayed three months. You just say, I really value being on a team. And I was the only person on that team. <laughs> That's true. That's going to be an easy story to tell. Just say, look, I wanted to work on a team. The whips that they used were like <laughs> real painful. <laughs> I thought it was just a metaphor during the interview, but it was real. <laughs> <laughs> So the yeah. story is easy to tell, I think, in this case. So that, but that won't help you today. That'll help you, like, in the interview process and over the. Well, I guess it will help today if you start interviewing. Do you want to talk at all about what to do in the interview process to avoid this situation in the future? Yeah, uh, that is interesting. Yes, I think we should. I mean, I guess we don't know any of the details really, so I'm going to make some up in my head. <laughs> but I'm I'm assuming that they didn't just straight up lie to you 100% about everything. Mm -hmm. I hope not. I mean, if they did, then oh. then you need to like go study psychology and detect <laughs> lies. Polygraph. <laughs> but, but if they didn't lie to you, it seems like there is some information that you could have gathered that you might want to gather next time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like, is there or isn't there a front-end team and can I meet them? Yeah, one of the things I like to ask in interviews is how do engineers get their work to work on? And uh, I ask that because, and I usually like to ask that from several different people, the engineers as well as the management. Oh, yeah. And I like to see if they agree on it. And while on the one hand, if they disagree, you can identify dysfunction. But on the other hand, if they agree, then you can figure out how authoritarian the company is. You know, are, are, is this a bottom-up company, a top-down company? And I, I think you can tell a lot. Yeah, it sounds like you're already pretty astute about the kinds of things that you enjoy. So it seems like some effort in discovering what the company is like might help align that better with, with where you end up. Should we just say, okay, what's the actual, the answer to the question though, which yeah. is what, how do I get out of this situation, right? I don't want to post on Twitter. I don't want to post on LinkedIn yeah. because I don't want to tell my company that I hate it. Yeah. So... That's actually an interesting question. I, I, maybe I'm going to dance around it one more time, but why don't you want to tell your boss, hey, I thought there was going to be a front-end team. Where's my front-end team? Mm -hmm. You know, maybe that's a conversation you should have. Yeah. Or, you're, or maybe there's just no hope. It's like, no, we're not going to get a front-end team for you. So I feel like we've talked about from the other side, when you are working with a team member that you feel like isn't meeting your expectations, you have these clear conversations with them to to let them know that their performance needs to improve or you're going to have to make a change, which is like a soulless euphemism for fire them. Um, <laughs> I wonder if you need to have those conversations as an employee too. Like mm -hmm. maybe they should know that you aren't happy. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then it's not like this deep, sudden, shocking betrayal if you take another job. It's like, yeah, I mean, this wombat, all we had was plants and he craved <laughs> flesh. So <laughs> he tried his best to make it work, but <laughs> it wasn't the right environment for him. Oh, my gosh. Uh, 
But again, now, but but he's you know, this person is probably torn between wanting to tell them the problem, um, and then seeing if they can work on it or at least understand why he's leaving on the one hand. But on the other hand, maybe he just wants to leave and just say, "Hey, look, this great opportunity showed up, and you know, it's been a cool three months, but I just feel like I have to take this." You know, and yeah, no, you know, nothing wrong with you. It's not you. It's it's me. That is a much easier conversation to have. Right, like no bridges call burned. someone on their crap. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's say you wanted to go that route. What do you do? Uh, I would reach out to people privately. I mean, there's a the recruiters are like swarming on LinkedIn all the time, and I haven't actually ever worked with a recruiter to find a job. But I assume that the good ones will respect mm-hmm. your privacy. I, and I've been the candidate two times on two different occasions. I got jobs. Uh, using a recruiter, and they were very respectful of my privacy and made sure my company didn't know that I was interviewing. Yeah. So that's an option, I think. And I mean, just friends, if you mention posting on Twitter, it is nice to get those chance serendipitous things where some random person in a random company that you might not consider is reading Twitter that day, they see the tweet and they think, oh, they should apply here. Right. But um, if you if you want to reach out to a network of friends, you can still contact them privately. Yeah. As long as they all don't work at your company, except <laughs> yeah. not on the front end team, <laughs> on a different team. <laughs> um, I would totally do that. And honestly, I think most people have to do it this way because they don't want their employer to know that they're looking. Yeah. And um, I'm actually kind of envious of people who are able to just post these public tweets and say, hey, I'm looking for work. Um, that that I, sounds I like the, the worst way to tell your employer that you're quitting. <laughs> <laughs> I hope those people have told them already. Johnson, come in my office. I want to show you a tweet. Yeah. <laughs> I have only, I've, I have posted publicly on Twitter, but only after telling my team. And Dave pointed out to me before the show that that's a good way to tell the company like, hey, I don't want to work for you. Um, It's not that I want to work for this other company. It's that I just don't want to work for you. I would rather be unemployed than work for you is the (laughs) message. Because Jameson has quit a couple jobs in a row now without having another job lined up. Yeah, the last two times that I quit, I I quit and then I found a job after that, which is possible only because of just the crazy developer market that we're in. Yeah, yeah. But I, I guess I never thought about like what it would do to the company to give them that impression i just told them like i don't know what i want to do i just not feeling it um also it's possible that deep down your employer already knows you hate it sometimes we send messages that we don't realize we're sending through body language and other means and so there's a chance that your employer is like just waiting for you to come into their door into their office and say you're leaving and it might not be as big a surprise as you think i haven't had someone on my team quit this quickly just just come in not like it and leave but i have had unhappy engineers quit and it actually wasn't a horrible thing for the team or the company or them i was kind of i feel like i i i'm thinking in one particular case where i knew this engineer i knew they weren't happy i tried to kind of help them find stuff to work on that they would be happy doing find a better fit for them in the company and they just weren't happy they were doing really good mm-hmm. work and we would have loved to keep them but they they just weren't enjoying it and so they quit and they went somewhere where they were way happier and i was like great like i'm glad that you are happy and and it's not like they were dragging the team down but you could totally tell mm-hmm. yeah you knew right yeah 
yeah, they were in a better place. Just like all the victims of the wombat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's true, though. I mean, it seems like our culture, our industry should be more tolerant of people who um, leave a job after just a short time. Because we should be allowed to feel it out and try it out. Because we all know that you can't tell much from an interview. You can learn a lot, but you can't learn enough, right? Yeah, three, you're always three, taking a risk. Yeah, both both parties are, right? I mean, three months will teach you pretty much everything you need to know, right? Yeah, I think so. Or at least six months. But in any case, it'd be great if we could just let people leave and have that not be something they have to worry about explaining every time they interview for a future company. But the fact is, if you do it once, it's probably not going to be a big black mark on your resume. If you do it like three times in a row, then you're going to have some pretty serious explaining to do. Yeah. Especially if you're experienced. I mean, if if you're fresh out of a boot camp or college, maybe not. But um, actually, you're still going to have to explain it. (laughs) You really are, right? That's going to stand out. Yeah, but I think I think your future prospects are totally fine. You have a perfectly logical reason. It's not like they fired you, so you have to explain what went wrong. You you just say I wasn't happy because of these reasons and I quit and I think people will be fine. Totally agree. But good luck. Just good luck. That's all I got. Good yeah. luck. Good luck. Question answered. We question talked answered. a lot around that question and then circled in at the end, I think. Yeah. Okay, this one, this next question comes from someone who is not a wombat, I think. They actually have a name. How? I mean, Dave, wombats <laughs> have names. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh, I'm always, I'm so discriminatory. <laughs> yeah. Take that foot out of your mouth. Okay, sorry. Would you like to That's read fine. this one? Yeah, I can read it. I care a lot about making things better and pushing new ideas. But I'm also still a somewhat junior engineer. I feel I sometimes fall into that trap of youthful ignorance, assuming that I have some brilliant insight but missing nuance that someone more experienced would easily spot. On the other hand, I've also seen seniors who get trapped in old ways of thinking and push bad paradigms more from habit than for good reason. How can I tell when I should push an idea harder despite resistance from others or cave and accept that a coworker knows better than me? Always cave. That's easy. <laughs> Yeah, that's <laughs> cave in that to like the loudest your, coworker. Is that like your your battle cry? <laughs> <laughs> we give up. <laughs> oh, isn't that that's that's the guy from the Tick, right? Isn't his battle cry not in the face? <laughs> that's yeah, the moth, not in the face, the sidekick moth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not in the face. Uh, I think yeah. his name was Arthur. How did I can't believe you know about the tick? It's uh, it's actually pretty rare for me to bump into someone who knows about the tick. Still waters run deep, Dave. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they clearly do. I don't know what that phrase means though, so <laughs> they don't run that deep. <laughs> um, That's so cool. I just I knew I liked you for a reason, and now I think I now you know. Yeah, the source of our friendship. <laughs> All right. So, do you listen to the old crufty veterans, or do you just? push and push and when to know which approach to take i think you have to do both i mean the old crufty veterans have seen things that you would not believe and they have dealt with problems that you cannot fathom and sometimes those problems are patterns that reoccur in other places and sometimes they're problems that 
have been solved or made obsolete. But mm -hmm. if you just ignore them all the time, then <laughs> you'll 100% repeat a lot of mistakes. Yeah. You know, when I was a, a younger whippersnapper, I had very little regard for more senior engineers. Oh, same. 100% the same. So I think it's actually really mature that this listener is even asking the question. Yeah. Right? Um, because yep. when I was his age, I, I don't know how old he is, but when I was, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I remember just seeing resumes for people with 20 years of experience. And I'm like, ah, what a waste. Like, I don't need to hire this guy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> just, just it's like bring all this old crap into my It's like base. negative experience. <laughs> yes, I, I did. It was so stupid. And yeah. But now that I am that engineer, I think... Any team that doesn't hire me would be a fool not to bring my wisdom. Yeah. You know? <laughs> They're loss. I know. So it's awesome that you're asking this question, I think. Yeah, it is awesome. And it it makes me think that uh, you'll probably handle this well, whatever you do. I think it probably depends a lot on your team, too. I was reading this, one of my favorite books about programming called Coders at Work. It's just interviews with famous accomplished developers who have built awesome stuff and they're talking to jamie zawinski who helped build uh, netscape navigator and he describes their team and it's basically like everyone's screaming at each other all the time and they're all <laughs> arguing and swearing at each other and calling their ideas stupid and that's how they like work out what to build <laughs> oh boy <laughs> and that sounds like a place i would not enjoy he also talks about sleeping under his desk for like months straight so oh. Lots of reasons why I wouldn't enjoy it, and also why I don't have all that Netscape money. The browser but, wars were fought under a desk. <laughs> yeah, but but all that to say that some teams might have a culture of more um, open and active, spirited disagreement. I guess, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. in that case, um, maybe just that's just the way you work out ideas: is you you push back and you challenge stuff, and mm -hmm. they'll push back on you. And as long as you do it in a mature way, then hopefully you, you your ideas kind of get like hammered out and the mm -hmm. weaknesses get smushed out and the, you mm -hmm. end up with something better. Yeah, I don't know that every place is like that, though. I think some places, people that work there in general are a lot more sensitive about feelings and they want to have kind of calmer discussions. And if you call someone's idea stupid, then... And you tell them they're an old fuddy-duddy who... <laughs> You're so out of touch. Yeah. Where's your oxygen tank? Jeez, right in Java <laughs> instead of Elixir. Uh, then that might not result in better, more <laughs> more robust technical ideas. Unless you're at Netscape and then it's yeah. all fair game. Yep. Which I don't think exists anymore. No, I think all those people burnt out. All <laughs> and, they went, and they went to Mozilla. <laughs> yeah. So I would say that if a coworker claims to know better than you on a topic but they can't convince you of it, then there's a good possibility they don't actually know better and you should push back. What if you're just unconvincible, though? You're just bad at being convinced about stuff? Yeah, I've seen people who are never wrong. Literally, they are never wrong about anything ever. And in, they their, will, in their own mind, anyway? They will just argue until you give up. Yeah. Forever. I've known people like that, and I am like the opposite. I am so easy to convince of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Gen generally. Have you noticed that? I don't know. Um, I am that way too. I guess I haven't tried super hard to convince you. Well, when maybe you agree that, with me maybe on that's everything, it. then there's no reason to convince me. 
Maybe it doesn't feel like I'm trying super hard because you're just caving. And I just roll over everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, but I don't know. I guess I guess if you have the introspection to ask this question, then you might not be one of those always 100% right people. I mentioned earlier that the grizzled veterans have knowledge that you cannot fathom. And some <laughs> of that knowledge might be the thing that you say is like easy and awesome and will solve all our problems actually will cause all these other problems because they know a lot more about the current yeah, system that yeah. you're working in. And I was thinking the same thing. I have a slightly different angle on it, which is that sometimes you have a good idea, but the cost of of course correcting the ship to implement your idea could outweigh the benefits of the idea. And if, yeah. if you could rewind the clock and go back to day one, maybe we would do it that way. But yeah. since we didn't do that five years ago, now the cost of doing it is just too high to actually get the benefit. That is a great point. And I can see myself doing that earlier where I would just look at things in the abstract in like pure technical comparison. And even that, it's really hard to do. There's always subjectivity mm-hmm. in that. But I would say this is a better solution and not take into account the context of the existing system. Like it's going to take us six months to even start getting value. Yeah, out of we have idea. to. We have to do nothing but rewrite for six months in order to build an interface to slot this new thing in, and then mm-hmm. start building new stuff on it, and then our business would die. So, <laughs> and after four months, you'd be on the street. Yeah, but I'm sure that functional programming will save us all. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was at my second job out of college, I had a really unique opportunity, which was that I got to start projects from scratch repeatedly at the same company. And that's something that a lot of people I've realized don't actually get to do. They usually have to deal with this big code base that they inherited Mm -hmm. that's a few years old and um, you're not going to get a chance to start over. But I got, I got to build new prod new products from scratch, like probably four or five times over the course of like seven years. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, this was the same company where I thought that I didn't need any experienced engineers. But <laughs> <laughs> because I got to start these projects from scratch, I got to like try different ideas and do things a new way every time and see the outcome. Um, and that was super valuable. So on the one hand, I would encourage this listener to um, push, push for these ideas because you'll never get to experience firsthand the process of putting in place some new idea and seeing what the outcomes are if you don't right if you don't push so i I would say in some cases it's really valuable for you personally to to go through that process and if you're working at a company where you will literally never be able to do that you're just kind of doing what you're told in the way that you're told to do it then you might be limited yeah i think another warning sign is if only the senior engineers get to play with the cool new things. If you mm-hmm. say, we should Dockerize stuff, and then someone like slaps you on the back of the head or I don't know, whatever they would do. Uh, and then a couple of weeks later, you see like the team lead playing around with Docker and, and, and they say, we should Dockerize stuff. And, and that, he says, that seems, I should Dockerize stuff. <laughs> yeah, I should do this while you all pick up my bugs that I'm not going to get to because I'm playing <laughs> with Docker. That seems bad. So they should, there should definitely be an opportunity for new stuff to come in from all levels. And mm-hmm. while technical experience is super valuable, 
I think lots of more experienced developers lose patience to keep up with brand new things, and they'll kind of wait for it to get vetted a little longer, which um, has a lot lower risk in some ways. But it also means that you might step on board the the hype train a little bit later. And younger developers are generally more gung ho about the brand newest, shiniest thing. So I think it is healthy to to have some of that brand new shiny stuff injected mm-hmm. in. Especially if you can take into account all the context that Dave was talking about, where if you can recognize this new shiny technology will help us and it's actually possible to use in a way that won't make our lives miserable. Yeah, exactly. The, the other thing that um, age has taught me is that you sometimes can't actually see the, you can't fully understand the outcome of your technology or process or, you know, pattern changes in your code for a lot longer than you might think. Like it might take a lot longer than you'd think to really fully appreciate the um, outcomes. And what I mean by that is that sometimes you might see like, say a brand new technology or tool and say, I'm going to put this in place and I'll bet within a month we'll we'll fully understand the repercussions of this. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it takes a year or two years before you go, oh crap, we've made a mess. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Um, and so I think sometimes maybe when an older, more senior engineer uh, resists a change, it could be because they're like, look, we know what we have works and what you're talking about will take us two years before we even can realize how bad it sucks. Yeah, this is a thing you see a lot. Yeah, again, with with new shiny platforms, they mm-hmm. have these cool tutorials that demonstrate these awesome things you can do. There's the the part of building a product that's like building cool features and fancy new technology can make that stuff easier. And then there's the stuff you have to do on every project that is made so much easier by a mature ecosystem like error handling and monitoring and alerting and like uptime and I don't know, just all this like plumbing stuff that you have to do Mm -hmm. to go from a fancy demo to a robust product. Mm -hmm. And it's likely that if you work in an established company, they have all that stuff built that they've kind of like Dave was talking about. And if you rewrite everything in Elixir, then guess what? You have no alerting now when your app goes down. Mm -hmm. So you also have to write alerting stuff because there's not any established SaaS services that do it all for you. Right, right. Yep. SaaS services are like ATM machines. Um, (laughs) What? (laughs) Well, like software as a service services automated teller machines machines oh, oh, oh got it <laughs> it's a redundant acronym how do you even say SaaS services sasses <laughs> sasses you know yeah. those sasses yeah so here's here's another thought you know when you're trying to decide should i push back or not one of the questions you could ask yourself is did i clearly un- explain this in a way that the engineer understood or are they just hearing words and going i i don't fully understand what you're saying but i have a meeting i need to go to (laughs) you know yeah um and there's a good chance that because software is so hard to talk about there's a good chance that if you were to put together like an example or a demo or a small prototype that you could get a lot more traction with your ideas and you could get past that initial knee-jerk reaction that people have to just sweep the idea under the rug because it's not fully fleshed out so Try to figure out, I think, if people are resisting your ideas because they don't fully understand them. And if that's the case, try to come up with different ways to communicate. 
the dream scenario here is where you have some existing pain point and you have a shiny new thing that solves that pain point that you can demonstrate is possible and won't make people's lives worse. Mm -hmm. And yeah, if you can show that in a demo, then you're basically selling people on things and you're saying this will make your life easier instead of them seeing elixir and thinking like crap i have to do all this extra work to figure out how to do yeah yeah exactly yeah so another way to put that i think is that your ideas will meet with less resistance if you can show that you have thought about enough of the dangers that you can and and that you've mitigated them uh that people will feel more comfortable adopting your ideas and this this isn't exactly the answer to your question which was um how can I tell if I should push the idea despite resistance? But rather, sometimes there are ways to communicate an idea that will reduce the resistance that you'll receive simply because you've thought the idea through more completely. I think every new idea does need a champion, though, to to believe it's awesome and kind of mm-hmm. push through it. So mm-hmm. I think zero resistance is probably not going to happen very no, often. No, 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 probably never. If zero resistance happens, it just means they're not thinking about your idea very much they just don't care or they were all waiting for you and they're just like cheering you on now like yay he did it (laughs) yeah (laughs) but yeah this is a a cool problem to have and i think the fact that you're thinking in these terms bodes very well for your future because here we i don't when did we get in the habit of directly addressing the the question asker like this by saying you i don't know (laughs) Suddenly I felt Just weird. now. Like I'm talking to my microphone. You. <laughs> I love you, microphone. You. <laughs> but um, I think it bodes very well for your future that you're critically thinking about the status quo and actively coming up with ideas to challenge the status quo. That is the uh, kind of engineer that the world needs right sure. there. All right. Question answered. So answered. We did it. We did it. Where can people go if they want more questions answered? <laughs> um, Google? Yeah. Is Ask, Ask Jeeves is still a thing, right? Ask Jeeves. <laughs> oh, man. No, it's ask.com? Yeah, that's right. They bought Ask Jeeves. Askjeeves.com has an expired SSL certificate? <laughs> oh, my childhood. My childhood has expired, too. Okay, well... Not Ask Jeeves. Where where else? If you really want to get more answers to questions, you can check out our website where you can see all past episodes, listen to them right on the web page, which is kind of cool. But I prefer to download it to my phone and listen on my podcast app so that I can speed it up. Um, I, I don't think Jameson does this, but that's why that's how I do it. Yeah, I don't... I would... I don't want to miss a thing. I want it to last as long as possible so I don't speed it up. I slow it down. Yeah, you can play it at half speed. Yeah, I do play it at half speed. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great place to go. If you want to submit questions, there is a Google form on our website uh, where you can give us as much or as little detail as you want. We'll make Mm -hmm. up a sentient creature for you to be if you don't want (laughs) your name shared. You can also send us a direct message on Twitter. If you're not following us on Twitter, you should do it. Why should they follow us on Twitter? I mean, if they're already subscribed to the podcast, they get the episodes. Because once in a while, we we retweet interesting things. We've done yeah. it like two times. Yeah, we'll tweet and stuff that isn't. You do not want to miss that. The episode. 
<laughs> you, and you'll find out what it is if you follow us. So that's right. Do that. And please check out algolia.com slash soft skills engineering and see if that job looks like it might be something really cool for you. Mm-hmm. I think if you're interested into soft skills, you very well could be a good fit for it. Yep. Tell them, tell them Jameson and Dave sent you. <laughs> they'll, they'll take you into the special VIP area of the website. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Bye-bye.